from the book of Mark, chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. Hear now the word of the Lord. When evening had come, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and the, said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Thank you, Reverend Bell. Happy Father's Day to all of you out there. And I want to say a special happy Father's Day to those who are men who haven't have children of their own, but have been wonderful influences, godly influences to other people's kids. That's uncles like my kid's uncle Ryan who's here. That's godfathers and godparents. That's Sunday school teachers. So thank you all for being good influences on children at this church and in your own circles. Happy Father's Day to you all. And because it's Father's Day, I thought I would begin with a dad joke. Are you readying yourself for this? Okay, be ready. What does a tick and the Eiffel Tower have in common? They are both Paris sites. <laughs> Today's sermon's brought to you by Dad Jokes Incorporated. Let us turn our hearts together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the gift of life. And we confess that we have not always been faithful with that gift. We have been wayward and unwise and sinful. But we believe that you've sent your son Christ to reconcile us unto yourself, to cultivate in each of our hearts a desire for your will be done, not our own will be done. And we're grateful. God, we're so very thankful that you've sent your Holy Spirit as a counselor, as a guide, and as a friend to us, to make us a community of care. Send your spirit freshly now, for you and I know that without you I can do nothing. Let this well-known story live new in our hearts, that it may inspire us to new depths of faithful discipleship. It is in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray, and God's people say together, amen. You know, I've been doing something, I just forgot to do it because I was actually kind of caught off guard by a really delayed laugh at that joke. It's like one of you just finally got it. What I meant to have us do before we pray, and I want to do it again because it's something of a, a pattern I'm trying to get into before I speak, is I want us to exhale all the air out of our lungs and then breathe in deeply. And as we do that, let's sense that we're breathing in the very breath of God. So join with me in this exhalation. Breathe out. Now breathe in the breath of God. 
Several years ago, I was in my study, just around the corner, preparing for a wedding rehearsal to be held here by two of our members. And sometimes I get here a little early, so I try to surf the internet, do, you know, find something interesting to occupy my time. James Gordon's got one of those late night shows, and on one he does this thing called Carpool Karaoke. And this particular episode was with someone so special that it was on all the news stories, all the headlines. You see, what he typically does is he gets with a pop star or a singer, and they ride around in some city, and they sing the singer's songs together, and it's really nice because he can sing, and they have a lot of fun together. But this time, on a very special episode, he picked up Paul McCartney of the Beatles, and he did this in Liverpool, England. And it was extra special, extra extended, as they went around all the places that Paul McCartney and the Beatles guys grew up and writing songs about. At one point, I came to tears, because I think it's a moment of grace. Paul McCartney starts telling the story of losing his mother, and he was mourning her, and he had a dream. Mom came to him in his dream and said, let it be. It'll be okay, let it be. You know how that song goes, don't you? When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me speaking. Let it be. When I have a cold, I need a little help from my friends. I don't know why I always decide to sing to you when I have a cold. As they sing that song, James Corden is just crying tears. And he says, I remember this time. My, my grandfather and my dad said, come listen to this song. It's one of the greatest songs ever written. And he's wiping the tears from his eyes. And he said, oh, I wish they could see me right now. And Paul McCartney, looking straight out the windshield, goes, whoo, they do. It's this moment of grace, a moment of a reminder that times may be difficult every now and again, but we can get through them. Let it be, we can get through the hard times too. That's what this parable, this story reminds me of. It's not a parable so much as an enacted parable, but in the story, Jesus tells his disciples in evening time, get on the boat, we're going to go to the other side. And then they, they get into a bad situation. I don't know why it's the case, but whenever I have bad stuff going on between my ears, it's usually in the evening time. There they are on the sea, Jesus is asleep. And then the boat gets rocked by waves and battered by winds and rainfall that comes down upon them and it's chilling to their bones. They fear for their lives. So much so that they go find Jesus who is sleeping and say, why don't you care about us? Wake up, how can you sleep at a time like this? We are perishing, we are dying. Maybe a little dramatic, but they were terrified. Jesus says these words, peace, be still, and everything is hushed and calm. He asks the disciples about where their faith is and then tells them to not be afraid. This story is so profound because it's so evocative. I remember one time I was doing a little Ignatian spirituality exercise, and this story is great for this exercise. A spiritual director was leading me to, to not just think about this story, but to put myself into it. And so he led me through a breathing exercise where I would just kind of calmly breathe in and out and close my eyes, and then I had to find myself there on the boat, 
feeling the rocking of the boat, feeling nauseous, asking me about how the wind felt, asking me about my fear of falling into a dangerous sea. And it ends with me being led to look into the eyes of Christ. We all have a construct of what Jesus must have looked like, but it looked like Jesus to me. And Jesus asked me about my faith and told me not to be afraid. Exercises like that can be impactful for believers. But I, I want to focus in on this do not be afraid part this week because I think it's troubling to me. You see, I think it's clear to you probably by now that this boat is kind of like a metaphor for life and the sea and its troubles and is a metaphor for trials that people can go through. And we're there. We're there looking for help. Maybe you've felt like this in the last 18 months. The world isn't what we want it to be. Things are hard. We're being tossed. We're being pushed. We're almost capsized. And perhaps like these disciples, during these past 18 months, you've been offering prayers for hope, prayers for healing, prayers for the country, prayers for the world. And maybe you feel like your prayers haven't hit much past the ceiling. Maybe you have felt like God was asleep on the job. And so we can come to this passage and be reminded, no, 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 Jesus is still with us. And he challenges us about where our faith is. And then he says, don't be afraid. But how? I've heard it argued about this entire 18 months in one of two ways. People are either living in fear or I'm simply not going to live in fear. And I wonder about the wisdom of an all-or-nothing situation like that. I wonder if that's a, a positive dichotomy or a false dichotomy. Either we have no fear or we're just afraid. Is that possible to live like that? Let me suggest that's not really what the Christian life is to look like. It's not to be one of no fear at all and not to be all fear. There's a lot of other options in the middle. You see, Jesus is calling us to not be afraid in our ultimate sense, but also to not be unwise in it. When I was a kid, my dad used to invite me up to the roof in December to help decorate with Christmas lights. I was terrified when I climbed the ladder the very first time. It was a low-level roof with a low pitch, but nonetheless, I was terrified to step around the ladder onto the shingles. He coached me through it, took some time, and I was very timid up on that roof for a good deal of time. And then I got more and more comfortable as I went. And he said, son, go get me the staple gun. And at this point, I got a little arrogant, so I jaunted over, picked up the staple gun, and he sat me down at the top of the roof, and he goes, let me talk to you. He said, son, if you're too afraid, you won't get up on the roof or you'll fall trying. But if you have no fear at all, you'll misstep and fall. You got to have a healthy amount of fear. That seems wise to me. And I think that really follows a Christian path too, because we're called not to allow fear to shut us down, but not to be unwise. There are all kinds of situations I think Jesus would not ask us to put ourselves in because they are unwise. So, what does it mean in this story, in this moment? For us to think again of Jesus and to hear him say to us, do not be afraid. Put yourself in the boat. 
They were coming through to the other side. It feels like right now we're coming near that other side of this painful global pandemic and so much else. What does it mean for us to re-examine where our faith is and say, I not be afraid? I think what it means is don't be afraid to live the gospel. Don't be afraid of people who are other than you. Don't be afraid of what tomorrow will bring. This is not our world to save. The thing that we do is the next faithful step within this world. It's God's world to save. Don't let fear stop you. You can keep going in faith through the storm. And all the while, God is there with you, saying, peace, be still. Saying to us, let it be. It'll be okay on the other side. Let it be, because I am with you. No matter how big the waves are and how scary it gets, I am here. We have a God who's the God of all creation. We have a God who repairs a world outside of our brains and inside of our heads, too. We have a God who says, peace, be still, and let it be.